the guys are ready, so let's hand over to Rob Rose, JB, PB and Aldrin, and, get on, with the show. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Hey, Rob. Well, in a slow news week, we have had to be creative, and uh, creative has uh, led us to thinking more long term. So welcome to our Slow News Week or Making the Leap show, whichever way you want to take it, where we're going to look post really the the kind of flames and fire and brimstone of early aggressive free agency. And now looking at the draft in the rearview mirror, we're basically looking to pick the next Cincinnati Bengals, who are the teams who have made sly moves in both free agency and the draft and are now ready to make an enormous leap from last season's whipping boys to genuine contenders in 2022. So basically what we have here is a bit of time to uh, roll around our virtual room and see which teams we think fit in that bracket. So if everyone is sitting comfortably and we're all ready, Aldrin, you know where I'm heading. Tradition dictates I come to you. Indeed. And I get to pick the easiest, most obvious uh, taking a leap team. And I think, I mean, it has to be the Jets, doesn't it? I mean, there's lots of other teams that you're going to pick. I know James is going to hate it because I go first. So I pick all the easy ones. Um, But yeah, I think the Jets have made a monumental leap through the draft. And I think, was it you, James, or Phil last week that mentioned, you know, they went and got the best player at cornerback, the best wide receiver, one of the best defensive ends, and then the best running back in the draft. And I think that was absolutely true. You know, if you ranked all those players, they would absolutely be top of their peers in each of those positions. Um, So I think they just had an absolutely phenomenal draft. And it's, it's the kind of draft that, I think you need to have if you went all in last year on Zach Wilson and you know, you, you pick him as the guy long-term and you believe that he can turn that franchise around, which is obviously what they thought because, you know, there was other quarterbacks in the draft and they were pretty adamant that Wilson was the guy. Um, So to now surround him with the kind of talent that he will need if he's going to make that leap. um, And if the franchise are going to kind of, drag themselves out of the doldrums, um, then I don't think Zach Wilson could have asked for much more, really. Um, Also, I do think the one thing that goes a little bit under the radar is um, how well the Jets actually did in free agency as well. You know, they picked up some really, really good players. I'm thinking they picked up Tyler Conklin. They picked up um, Solomon Thomas. They brought back Joe Flacco. You know, which I think is a really shrewd move, not necessarily for him playing, but, you know, again, having that kind of mentorship for Zach Wilson. And ultimately, the guy can still play in fits and spurts if Wilson has another injury. But ultimately, I think he's there to be um, a Wilson mentor, really, and kind of guide him in leading a team. And, you know, having experience of being a Super Bowl winner, you know, that is something you can't really teach. So him 
kind of extolling his wisdom to Wilson, I think is a really um, smart move. But yeah, I mean, I think just draft wise, they absolutely knocked it out of the park in getting all of those players. You know, I think Garrett Wilson is a player that will stretch the field, will make contested catches um, and will give Zach Wilson the exact kind of weapon that he might need. I think Brees Hall's a great running back. I mean, I'm, I was really high on um, Carter that they got last year from North Carolina, but I do think maybe he might fit better in a one-two punch. You know, that's what he did at North Carolina. They had the the two guys at North Carolina and they were both incredible and obviously both got drafted pretty high in last year's draft. But um, But yeah, I think pairing Carter with Hall is a really um with a is a really nice tandem. Um and yeah, I just think overall the kind of players they brought in was exactly what they needed, exactly when they needed. And um yeah, I think it would give Jets fans an awful lot of hope for the season. Because you now go in thinking, okay, well we've got plenty of weapons around Wilson. We've got plenty of good players on defense that Robert Salah can work with and mold and turn into a really beastly unit. So you really do think that they've got all of the pieces that they need to, to get back to winning ways and become um, more of a force. I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that they're going to make a, a Cincinnati Bengals leap, but maybe they could, you know, they've got those kind of pieces that the Bengals added, the Bengals added, you know, a couple of good receivers and, uh, and, uh, a quarterback and then some other pieces in and around defense and suddenly they became a, you know, a Super Bowl team. So I don't think it as unlikely as it might seem based on just everything we've seen from the jets over the last five, 10, 15 years, however far you back, you want to go. Um, they've actually now, it feels like got a really solid core of players and the right kind of coach um, that could, that could put them back where they want to be. It's funny, the comparison between the, the Jets and the Bengals, because, I mean, the Jets went into free agency with, what, the sixth most, I think, cap space in the league, despite a number of historically poor contracts that they were trying to work their way out of. But the reason I mention that cap space is, on the one hand, you kind of look and think they might have overpaid for a few players. So um, CJ Ozama from the Bengals who had a, a great year last year signs what three yeah. year, 24 million. But then you look at those kind of players and think actually with what they've done in the draft, you could probably add, you know, bringing back um, Braxton Berrios and then signing Tomlinson. At God. They've, they've ended up really bringing in the players that absolutely are proven starters, absolutely helping key areas of need, like adding safe pairs of hands for a young quarterback like we've talked about. As much as it looked slightly underwhelming in the kind of free agency phase of the offseason, now you add those draft picks, you do start to look at that and think overall on balance, they might just be the winners of the offseason um, for me. And and great that actually for the Jets, they don't go into this season with coaching controversy or any yeah. um, pressure on Salah because that has just been like a revolving door in New York, a bit like, you know, the Miamis and the Houston Texans of this world. You know, if they can find a coach that actually sticks for the next two or three years with the type of pieces they're starting to put in place, do they need to be fearful of 
the Patriots and other teams, you know, year in, year, year in, year out, who've been the, the obvious kind of um, divisional winner. I think, yes, they've got a few challenges in that division with teams like Buffalo, but actually imagining that they could beat out a Patriots or, or a Dolphins to, to get into the playoffs, I mean, isn't impossible. And, and like you say, from there, you know, is something like a Bengals-style run going to be possible for the Jets of New York? I, th- I think it's a tall order, but on paper, they certainly look an awful lot better than they were 12 months ago. Yeah, I think just the only addition to what you just said for me is, I think you said it a couple of weeks ago, Rob, you know, cap space doesn't win you anything. You know, you need to ultimately bring in players. And if you pay slightly over the odds for CJ Uzama, but you need a, you know, a pass catching tight end, then ultimately you pay the money, you get the player. So, um, so I, I think you've got to spend your cap space. Ultimately, it doesn't help you in the long run if you've just got a big stockpile of money. So, um, so I don't, and the, I can see the sense in it. And the other thing actually with Uzama at tight end and um, Tomlinson at guard is you only think they've overpaid because both of these players have maybe durability concerns. Actually, when they're fitting on the field, you feel like they're worth every bit of, you know, the 24 million and the 30 million they've, they've paid. But yeah, if they can keep key players healthy, I think they've got every chance. And, and actually the argument, if you can keep key players healthy, is probably the same argument with every single NFL team. You know, injuries, as we saw last season with the likes of the Ravens and the Vikings, the Giants, um, and even, where was it going? The Dolphins, you know, can have a massive impact on a season if you lose key players early on. Um, JB, thoughts? You, you were keen to go Jets. So what, what were your thoughts on where New York and the green side of New York, at least, how they're looking for the year ahead. Uh, I, I kind of agree with with every point that Aldrin made, almost as if I was sat here ready to make all of them myself when it, it got to my turn. Should have uh, prepared better for that. Um, but yeah, I think that the Jets are the most obvious choice in this. I think having a team having that many high draft picks isn't unusual because we've seen the Rams do it previously. We've seen the Vikings do it previously. The big difference is having those draft picks and coming away with what is universally regarded as good, solid picks for it. And like Aldrin's quoted me quoting somebody else, but that is essentially what the Jets did. They got top or very near the top at every position group they wanted it's, it's really hard to argue with those being good choices for the field. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hype being generated around Zach Wilson. You know, is he going to be the quarterback to make the leap in the second year um, in the same way, like we've seen with Josh Allen, no, maybe not in the second year for Josh Allen, I don't think, but, um, and Joe Burrow players are like so the potential is there to kind of get on that that jets hype train and and personally i'm quite glad that i'm already documented as being on that hype train and i look forward to the rest of you joining me there um and i think the only thing I'd, the only other point i think i'd make is picking up on something rob said about just how good it must feel for the jets and for every fan of the jets to be going into this season with no doubts over your head coach like you like the jets season last season obviously wasn't the season that they wanted 
but nobody is putting that on on Salah at all. I think he is quite categorically the man for the job. What they need to do is give him time and players to develop a team and develop a culture. And that appears to be to be what they're doing. And although as eagle-eyed listeners might already have noticed, PB is not with us this week. I am sure if he was here, he would be saying that Salah is going to slay. See, it's like slay. It's a banter. I, I it's like, just like it. having Phil here. It um, is just like having Phil here. And do they need to be eagle-eyed to notice he's not here on a podcast? It's not ears of the eagle, though, is it? I'm thinking no. back to Brave Star for those kids. Eyes, eyes of the hawk, ears of the, the wolf, wolf ears. Ears the wolf, wolf eared listeners. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite work as well, does it? I regret it going down that road now. But yeah, no Phil this week. Phil is a, a busy boy. Um, so the Jets are kind of our unofficial, well, we can make it official, the Club Dub podcast winners of the offseason. So if... They are number one. I'm guessing, JB, that you are now thinking which team is number two. Who do you think is... I can't, I can't wait for this because I know who... I, in my head, I know who the number two team is. And I know that in his head, JB would never pick that team. Well, well, I, my, my pick's out there, right? So I feel pretty confident that JB's not about to uh, stomp on what I have in mind. But go on, JB. The second team in free agency in the draft this offseason have been... So I'm I'm pretty sure that Aldrin's team are, are some form of bird, who's uh, current, I mean it's current, a fairly easy guess in the in the NFL current yeah, but, yeah. wide receiver core last year generated a total of one thousand and two yards across all of them, and there are and there are numerous single individual players who trumped that. So it's not going to be them. Um, I really struggled with this once Aldrin took the Jets and, and and being completely honest, I looked across the AFC and the NFC and almost immediately just got rid of the NFC because there's, mm. there's no one there that won. I think Aldrin has just made a, a hand gesture that is uh, used in this team in a teams rather uh, stadium for home games. And it's not them. And I think I'm going to get an incredible amount of stick for this because my selection... Please say the the Patriots. Go on, do it. No, the Patriots need to solve the absolute pile of beige that is their quarterback before they can consider anything. Pro pro Bowl quarterback, but yeah. He's just, he's still a jobber. No, we are taking a trip to TIAA Bank Field. And we are going to be talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. And looking at this on the whole, the first thing that made me kind of go towards the Jags and this kind of thing was very similar to how we ended that conversation about the Jets. It was about making a head coaching decision. And after, I think, multiple occasions where the Jets, not the Jets, the Jags, haven't made the right decision at head coach. I mean, the previous head coach just absolutely being the like there was no way that was a smart decision at all. Getting Doug Peterson in, like there is, I, I will put like bread on the line for this. I will bang, I'm banging my fist on the table here. There is no way that will wind out to be a bad decision for them. That guy is a fantastic coach. And yes, we might need to get Angelo sometimes to find out what his mood is. If you get that reference, congratulations, you're a football nerd like the rest of us. Um, 
kind of they've done good business in free agency, kind of working on their wide receiver core, bringing in Zay Jones and bringing in Christian Kirk, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, to pair up with Marvin Jones Jr., who is always rock solid and always a really good pair of hands to have, as well as guys like uh, LaVisca Chenault, who's shown great flash and great poise when they've needed him to. The issue for the Jags, I think, primarily last year and for many seasons has been offense, uh, not offense, has been defense. They've got a good quarterback there. They need to help him along and develop. And Doug will do that because we've seen him go out and win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And JB will put his hand up and say, president of the Club Dub Football Podcast, Nick Foles Appreciation Society. But even then you have to acknowledge that he's a fairly limited quarterback. Yeah, Yeah, it's a group of one, that society. You will you will never look at, at Trevor Lawrence and say, oh, you know, he's a he's a bit of a risk, that guy. That guy is absolutely nailed on to be good. You just have to help him develop, and that's what will happen. The first round choice of Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson is going to be questioned. We questioned it ourselves on the podcast. Like I, last week, I, I was completely ready to gush all over Hutchinson as what an amazing star he looked like he's going to be. But Walker has just as much potential. Like the upside for him there is is incredible. And I think if the Jags can work out where they're going to have deploy him on the field, just like is he going to be a defensive end? Is he going to be an outside linebacker? Is he going to have that kind of TJ Watt-esque a little bit of both, depending on where he can do the most damage to the offense. But then looking at getting Devin Lloyd as well in the first round, that was another good decision. They went Luke Fortner for center in the third, along with Chad Mummer, who was another linebacker, which again works on solidifying that defense and giving you that spine that you need in order to build off. Um, I'm really I'm really genuinely really excited about the Jags it's another one of those weird years where I'm really looking forward to the Jags game in London fingers crossed we can get tickets for it because I have the feeling that even if the Jags don't win it's going to be one of those occasions where it's a really really good game and it's a fun team to watch there's a, a few things in common with the Jets and the Jags and probably with any team I suppose looking to make the leap is we've got young quarterbacks who need to make that step as well, uh, I think is the the question mark I have over the, the Jags. I mean, we talked about Trevor Lawrence a year ago in the draft as um, a generational talent, didn't we? We didn't even talk about him going one overall. We talked about the fact that he was that type of quarterback, you know, the, the, the best sure thing since, you know, Peyton Manning, I think we threw around. And for me, not only did... You know, when you when you look at what they've done, bringing in um, Doug Peterson, not only did he have that great success with Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl, but we've got to remember this is the guy that got the best out of Carson Wentz. And for as much as we've talked about, you know, him being paired with his former quarterback coach when he went to the Indianapolis Colts and so on and so forth, this is a guy who has had success with young quarterbacks and getting them to play the game with a bit of confidence. You know, one of the things that you know, was was really um, apparent when he was on that MVP-type trajectory in Philadelphia um, is the fact that they threw the ball deep. And you, you start to look at what they've done. You look at what Christian Kirk, overpaid or not, what Christian Kirk can do. He has the ability to stretch the field, to run inside, to run outside. You know, he's he's been making those kind of catches and playing that kind of way with Kyler Murray. 
Um, I think if we imagine that their quarterback and Lawrence can be the player we thought he could be, and last season does end up being a blip or a slow start or whatever you want to call it. I mean, with a great quarterback under center, they're instantly a contender. Um, and I take your point, JB, not taking Hutchinson one, you know, isn't, you know, the end of the world. They, they still got good players as you'd expect for a team who got, you know, picks that high up. Um, Bigger question mark than the Jets, but I think we'd all agree with that, hence why the Jets were the first team taken off the board. But I can see it, and I'd love to see it. Like you said, with them being in London and in the way, in a way, them being London's team, I always think the NFL season is is more fun when the Jacksonville Jaguars are performing the way you know fans would want them. If, if they're having a good year, it kind of changes the dynamic of those games in the UK for me. Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess Walker's the only well, is the biggest question mark, I think. And it was just because of, you know, how quickly he rose up people's draft boards because of the way he tested at the combine, rather than if you look at his tape at Georgia and you say, arguably, he wasn't even the best, you know, pass rusher on that team, you know. So um, I think if you look at how he played in his game tape, wouldn't suggest that he would be the guy you'd take over Aidan Hutchinson and, Kayvon Thibodeau but equally time may tell at the NFL level some players don't work out and some players do and and it's that age-old question of you know testing against film you know how how does somebody come out of the combine and you look at all of the physical attributes and go well I can coach the other stuff um or do you look at the game tape from college and go yeah he dominated college players and then have the question mark of whether they can repeat that success at at the NFL level. So I kind of get it. I mean, it's, it's a swing. It does feel like a big swing, but he feels the, the biggest boom or bust player, I guess, really, particularly when you take him that high. Um, but yeah, I don't mind the stuff that they did in and around the the draft. You know, I think they added some good players. I think they had a pretty good off season in terms of players that they brought in um, through free agency. And again, goes back to they've paid a bunch they've overpaid a bunch of players but equally they had the money to spend so you know they needed a slot receiver they've got a slot receiver you know they needed other players they brought other players it it doesn't win you games having cap space sat on the board so um so yeah i think overall they had a pretty um pretty good off season but i maybe wouldn't have ranked them that high as jb has i certainly felt there's a, a couple more teams that i might have picked as having better drafts my own one, team included, maybe, but you know. I see the the Colts. I did circle around one of one of your the teams you're talking about is just flat out wrong. Um, I think for me the X factor for the Jags' success is Travis Etienne because obviously we first round pick last year who we like have a brand not new seen. draft pick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like another first rounder. Come depending on how he comes back from his leg injury, because uh, talking about the other New York team and seeing kind of the impact on their superstar running back with what a couple of kind of leg based injuries now and seeing how seeing how we can recover from that. The good thing for Etienne and the good thing for the Jags is they've got Robinson, I want to say, in it kind of to pair up and, and talking about like we did with the Jets, kind of the 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 effect of that one-two punch of having like both potentially in the backfield at the same time, kind of giving that threat of, well, which one are you going to give it to? Oh, you haven't given it to either of them. It's play action. And there goes, say Jones down the sideline for a touchdown. 
play action will be well you you kind of think that recipe in in Philadelphia should translate pretty well to the Jaguars and that roster really um yeah a, a young team even with those free agents I mean you know Christian Kirk you know is is not an, an old receiver it's it's an interesting mix isn't it the Jacksonville Jaguars and like I say fingers crossed London's team has a really good year so two down and with no PB does that just leave one to go and it leaves me to come out with my normal um yeah. left field selection that everyone criticizes go um, for it. here was my problem right I think there are a number of teams who've had pretty decent drafts who still aren't ready to make the leap um Detroit Lions would be one still far too many holes but actually what they did in this offseason I think is really good solid work I, I still have more question marks really about their head coach I'm not sure Dan Campbell is is of the level I think he's 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 obviously a motivator and obviously a great locker room presence I'm just not sure he's a smart head coach um so where does that take me um I'm actually going to cheat a little because I'm going to pick a team that actually looked like they'd made the leap at times last season. They kind of looked like they were getting it right, having looked like it had gone so horribly wrong. And actually that roller coaster hasn't really ended there. So I'm going to pick the Miami Dolphins. Now, bear with me. You fire Brian Flores, which kind of makes no sense at all, right? So in isolation, I don't think they should have fired Brian Flores, certainly for you know, any reason that I can see as a fan, what might come out of the legal proceedings that he's currently got rolling could give us greater insight as to why that happened. But let, let's kind of park that. They've taken Mike McDaniel, who is um, not only got really nice um, kind of offensive tendencies, likes to play the game a certain way, but has come out of working with Carl Shanahan, who is probably now, you could maybe argue Sean McVay, but you would probably say that Kyle Shanahan is one of the most creative, if not the most creative offensive head coach in the league. So immediately you kind of think, well, okay, this is an offensive guy with creative tendencies who's worked well with Shanahan. Well, how might that translate to the Dolphins? Well, I tell you what, it translates an awful lot better when you put Tyreek Hill in that mix. So the fact that we can talk about the Dolphins draft and say they didn't pick until the third round, well, that's fine by me when what you get for those picks is Tyreek Hill. And then you've got Cedric Wilson joining Waddle. And all of a sudden you look at three players who can absolutely attack any defense in so many ways. I mean, Hill, not only does he have that deep threat, but he has that ability to take passes within that kind of five or 10 yard kind of slant radius and turn them into big plays. This is a guy who had more yards after the catch last season than any player in the league, right? So that's the kind of level of talent that you're adding. Now, the question mark for the Dolphins is, well, is Tua that kind of quarterback? Is Tua Tungavailoa the kind of guy who has the ability to throw deep? Well, that's a huge question mark, massive question mark, particularly at the pro level, because we haven't really seen that. I remember the year before last, they played the Cardinals in Arizona, and actually he had a, a brilliant half of football that if that was you know, typical of, of Tua's play, I'd feel an awful lot more confident. But if the Dolphins can put together the kind of winning streak they had last season, minus the talent that I've just talked about with nobody like a Tyreek Hill. Now, I know they've kind of moved on from certain players. So, you know, Hill coming in, Parker going out, but I still think Tyreek Hill would have made any team better, let alone the Miami Dolphins. You've then got 
an element here, which I think whether you look at Flores or whether you look at coaches before him, actually, they have an opportunity with a coach like Mike McDaniel to get the run game right, to create a really balanced offense and to score some great points. And although Flores was obviously a great defensive coach and there's no guarantee that that defensive play will stick, at times last season, you felt that there were a team that at least played hard on the defensive side of the ball and should give them a chance should give them the opportunity to stay in games and let the offense really do the hard work. So on the one hand, there you go. There's the kind of free agency bubble that I think um, that the Dolphins have found themselves in. Now let's talk about the draft. And this is where it's a little bit odd. So third round, they pick up a linebacker in Channing Tindall. And it's an odd one because at Georgia, he wasn't really the standout linebacker in that team, right? Even in that, he was a starter stroke rotation player. But you look at the guys he's played with in college, the Key Walkers, uh, the Nakobe Deans. Well, they're superstar linebackers potentially at the NFL level. And certainly he was behind players at college level that you could argue are better than the starting quarterbacks the Dolphins have got presently. So I think third round pick, you found yourself a starter in Tyndall. Here's the interesting one, right? So Eric Ezukama, right, who they picked up in round four, pick 125, who comes, you know, really with not a lot of hype having come out of Texas Tech. But when you think about what this guy can do, he was a team captain. Right, He led that team in receptions for his last three seasons at college level. I mean, ultimately was an absolute record breaker. And the last person at that college to have that level of production was Michael Crabtree, who turned into a more than useful NFL starter in his own right. But even if he comes in as a rotation player, as a wide receiver with their fourth round pick, here's the upside. He's not small bodied, right? He's six foot two and he's quick. So the things that immediately help is he can contribute on special teams, whether they look at him for returning or just a kind of big bodied guy that can help. They found a player in the fourth round who will absolutely see game time. And if you add him to that mix of receivers, maybe slot him in as a number four or a number five, He's got the kind of head coach who will utilize five receivers, just like Shanahan did at the 49ers, just like, you know, you've got Cliff Kingsbury and Sean McVay doing at places like the Cardinals and Rams. I think they've picked up players later on who will come in and be good, useful players. And that, for me, negates the fact they didn't pick in round one and two. I think they've got a good balanced draft, great uh, free agency work. The Dolphins could be contenders. Thoughts, please. So... I, when we were talking about the Jets, and I'm going to circle back, I promise, one of the things that I had in mind that I didn't mention just in case we talked about either of these two teams was I think the only thing that could potentially hamper the Jets' success is they exist in a in a division with the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins, both of whom, I mean, the Bills are already there. I I agree with you. The Dolphins have got the promise of kind of rising up and really making a name for them as of making some noise about playoff contention. And I'm I'm kind of with you in in everything that you've you've sort of talked about there. I think the only thing I was expecting was when you were talking about Mike McDaniel. He's got really I was expecting you to say nice teeth for some reason because he's got a lovely smile. Um, but but you are you are correct in, in kind of what you've laid out. I think they've done very well in recovering from what we all talked about at the time was a very strange decision to move on from Brian, uh, Brian Flores. 
I'm, I'm not complaining about it that much now. I'm, I'm sure he will be a very good contributor to the Steelers' defenses, uh, defensive staff this season. And you've kind of hit your nail on the nail on the head in what we have discussed previously as well. Draft picks are all well and good, but everybody knows the stats on the percentage of picks each round that work out to be quality NFL starters, not even superstars, just quality players that you can you can count on. You know, we love the story of of Steve Keim being asked about the the second round pick that the Cardinals don't have anymore, and his retort of "We have a second round pick. His name's Chandler Jones." And obviously, Chandler Jones went on to have a fantastic career for the Cardinals. If you're first, you're saying the the Miami Dolphins didn't have a first round pick this year. That's very different to the my the Miami Dolphins with their first round pick got Tyreek Hill, a guy who is, as Robert said, not only quick. Sudden is probably a better description for it, but the vertical leap that that guy's got for his size is incredible. I've seen him catch the ball over players that have got a good four, five, six inches in height on him, and he's got springs in his legs. It is incredible, and he is a weapon that Patrick Mahomes is going to miss and that the Dolphins are absolutely going to find a way to utilise. Again, I kind of find myself I'm like just coming back to everything Rob said, but it, it it means I'm in agreement with him. If you look at the the eternal, well, it's probably going to be the eternal. Who's the better coach, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay? Argument. There is an element that says Kyle Shanahan is the better coach because look what he can do amazing things with versus what Sean McVay can do amazing things with as well. Like Sean McVay's got Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald on the team and all of the fantastic superstar players that the Rams bring in. That's great. The 49ers don't really have that. Like Debo, as we talked about last week, had a fantastic season last year, but he's not really had anything before. So you've got to look and think that's what you hope Mike McDaniel is going to carry into this team. The kind of thing of, we don't need superstar players. What we need is a good team and building and baking that ethic into them. They've made smart decisions everywhere. Like, Running back was maybe a bit of a weakness for them. So they've gone out, they've got Chase Edmonds, they've got Sony Michelle, who I think they announced yesterday or today, which I think is a really good pickup for them. Um, concerns about Tua, that's fine. We'll go and get Teddy Two Gloves. Might not be a starter for most teams or any team really, I think, by now. But the kind of guy who's got to bring it kind of to Aldrin's team, a little bit of that, that Jacoby Brissett about him, a guy that you can count on if need be to come into a game or come into a couple of games and not ruin it, not make the wrong decisions. He's, he's not your long-term solution, but if you need a short-term fix, he's there for it. So I'm, I'm fully on board the, on board the Dolphins hype here. Um, I'm a little less so, shall we say, um, I think Tyreek Hill is a great addition. And I think the only thing with the Dolphins is a lot of their off-season free agent moves was merely re-signing players that they had previously. I'm thinking Ogba, Gasicki, you know, they've just kept those yeah, guys in town. Tagging, yeah. Um, which I do, uh, admittedly, I do like, you know, I think Ogba's been a revelation the last year too, maybe. Um, Gasicki, I just think he's another of those kind of tight ends of the modern era, you know, agile can move, can still block, 
but ultimately mm. is a guy that wants to get downfield um, and is a safe pair of hands for Tua who, you know, isn't really known for being the guy that's going to throw super deep. You know, if you've got yeah. somebody over the middle that can make contested catches, um, then I think he he just makes that offense better, Gasicki, really. I think the only thing for me is, you know, I love the pairing of Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill. And I think that makes for one monumental one-two punch. Um, I don't know. I just think if, we, if we're talking about winning the offseason, you know, they didn't have a lot of draft picks this time around because of bringing in Tyreek Hill. And, and ultimately, you, you, you can easily give away draft picks for known entities because draft picks are never a guarantee. And I think Tyreek Hill is a guarantee. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, they didn't bring in a, in a load of players in there. Um, so I don't know. I think they've added an absolutely top tier, stellar player in Tyreek Hill, but ultimately not a whole lot else um, to my mind that changes the face of the franchise. Um, I, I think Tyreek Hill potentially does that. Um, but ultimately, I think we'll now see how how potent Hill can be without Mahomes. And I think that's, you know, that's always the eternal question whenever you have, a, you know, incredible players that have performed really well or incredible players that perform with really great coaches. You always have that. Is it the quarterback or is it the coach or is it the player themselves? And I think that will be the the real marker of whether they've got value in this draft and this offseason is whether or not he can replicate the performances and success that we've seen at, at the Chiefs with what is ultimately a significant downgrade in quarterback. That's that's my only question mark on it. But I, I think I love the... I love the moxie to go and get a player like that and put more players in and around Tua and ultimately throw your backing behind Tua when everything, if I was a betting man this time last year, I would have said Deshaun Watson would have been their quarterback. Mm. Um, but I think if they're, if they're going to stick with Tua, they've gone all in and they have given him the weapons. It's just whether or not he replicates that is my thing. Do, do you not think though, and, and this is only a, a small point really, because it's been touched on in other ways already. I appreciate the argument about Hill makes the Dolphins better, like Tyreek Hill would have made pretty much any NFL team better, right? I get that. But thinking about the wide receivers who have moved and got mega money and and been traded for for huge amounts of draft capital and so on, so you think like Devontae Adams, you think, I, I don't know, I suppose on draft night, we, we had a couple move as well, didn't we? It's been a, a really kind of exciting um, picture in the off-season. Do you not think, though, of all the wide receivers that have moved, when you look at Tyreek Hill and you look at McDaniel and what he's going to bring and the way that he builds an offense, do you not think it's not only about being a great wide receiver, but a little like the Debo Samuel comparison you just made, JB, is it not how Hill can be used in that Dolphins offense? Because if you take... I don't know if if you went kind of. Uh, I mean, obviously the two trades on draft night for for Brown and Brown. You know, I, like I said, Hollywood Brown or wide receiver Brown, as I'll continue to call him. I don't think is a game changing talent, but let's say AJ Brown and the likes of Devonte Adams are. They're wide receivers of a certain type. They're wide receivers in a certain mold. You know, in, in what they can do. They're, they're some of the best at it. But Tyreek Hill's just such a one off. 
you know, with what he can do, like you say, JB, he can he can go up and catch a, a ball deep, but he can also catch a, a short pass, you know, behind the line of scrimmage for four or five yards and turn it into a 40-yard gain. I can just imagine McDaniel didn't say we need to go out and get a better wide receiver. I just imagine he said we need to get Tyreek Hill. We need that guy because of what we can do with him in the type of offense I want to make. And I think Tyreek Hill could have landed in other places where he would not have been anywhere near as effective in the season coming. I do take your point. A lot of quarterbacks are a big step down from Mahomes. I think two is definitely one of them. But I just think what they might be able to do with that offense in Miami is um, is exciting. Really exciting. And like you say, Waddle on the other side and the players they've got in the mix there, I just think it makes for a, a really exciting season. For a team that won a lot of games last year, um, I can see them winning even more this year. I, 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 say, I, I, I agree with you on, on Hill there. And I think the interesting thing to consider is, again, if we look at, you did a very good job of, of kind of breaking down draft picks and stats and everything like that for, for the Dolphins draft picks there. Stats for Hill, regular season last year, 111 receptions for 1,239 yards and nine touchdowns, which is 11.2 yards average per reception. And his longest was a 75-yard touchdown. Rushing, it was nine attempts for 96 yards at 10.7. Now, that's a guy that you can use. That, that is absolutely skills that can be, and you have to assume will be something. And I think we are starting to see it more and more. Uh, pause on calling it like a two-way player, like you used to see in the old days of, was it Deion Sanders when he'd play, he'd play offense and defense or... um. Oh, the, the era guy. of the Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what was his name? Daryl thingy who played for Washington, Daryl Green, who who also used to do the same sort of similar kind of thing. Hill can contribute as a receiver. He can contribute as a rusher. He can contribute as a returner if you really, really need him to. He is, you know, what's the old saying? He is a guy that you absolutely have to have a hat on. You need to know exactly where he is every time everyone lines up. And if you've got one person automatically assigned to that thing. That's cool. That's one less person you generally need to account for with everybody else. So uh, it's, it's going to be quite exciting to see what happens. So those are our three. And I think they're a pretty solid three. I mean, none of us saw the Bengals coming to the Super Bowl 12 months ago. I wonder if any of our picks will be right. Um, only time will tell. But on this topic, it would be remiss of us not to very quickly um, look at the slippery slope. Um, who's gone from contender to pretender? Um, a quick few words around our virtual room to round out. Who are the teams that have gone from competing to effectively basement dwellers in the last month or two? Aldrin, give us your choice. I don't know, because the team that I want to, pick i don't consider a contender but i think they had a bit of a stinker of a draft and just as a franchise they're a bit of a stinker oh go on um the chicago bears i just i just think for an organization that's all in on justin fields they just i don't know the draft was just another pile of garbage you know i don't think they 
didn't get a, a receiver until round three. And, and, you know, they're bereft of receivers, really. And just, you know, offensive line help. I just think there were so many holes in that team. And I don't know, they're just, I don't, I, I, I'm not surprised. But again, they just kind of picked... I don't know, less than stellar players and certainly didn't feel like they addressed needs that they had that would have helped fields. And I, t- I don't know, just hark back, harks back to last year. I don't know if you all remember when they announced Justin Fields was going to the Chicago Bears and all the pictures of him wearing Bears gear was not a happy chap. And I think a, a year removed, I don't think he'll be any happier on draft day. I just think... You know, if, you, if you're going to go all in on this guy and, you know, I was really high on Justin Fields last year and, and I still think he can be a really, really good quarterback, but not if you don't give him any help at all. You know, you've got to give him something. So the Bears, our first basement dwellers, and only a couple of years removed. I mean, they're only a, a season removed from being a playoff team, of course. That was with yeah, Mitchell Trubisky under centre. So, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you that. They are They are tumbling or at least in our mind, they are tumbling. So the Chicago Bears are our first basement dweller. Who is our second, JB? So when we talked about the Jets, I uh, crowed about how happy I was for the fact that I had uh, I had got on the Jets bandwagon early. So I, I think it is only fair that I also reference a different team in a different wager I made where I am now really starting to feel quite bad about because let, uh, let's go to Washington State and let's talk about them Seahawks because just what are they doing? I mean, I say, what are they doing? I know what they're doing. They're sticking to the Seahawks philosophy of drafting Seahawks players sticking to the run, all of that kind of stuff. And all of that worked really, really well when you had Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson, and you do not have Marshawn Lynch. And I'm sure Jacob Eason, Levi Lewis, Drew Locke, and Geno Smith are lovely people, but not one single one of them, not two of them combined, make one Mr. Unlimited. And I I kind of just feel like the, the Seahawks have just, mess to the bed because they they've got very little on like i say they've got very little on wide receiver they've got tyler lockett a wide receiver dk metcalf is like is he going to be traded is he going to play he's not the player that they were expecting that they were going to draft when they got him at tight end they've picked up noah fant from the broncos you would hope if they're starting drew lock that they retain a little bit of that broncos chemistry together but that's it's kind of like like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic a little bit. I kind of feel like it's it's all going to end badly. Yeah, I I don't know. As a, a Cardinals fan in the NFC West for all these years, I never like to count out the Seahawks. A bit like the Patriots, they've been so competitive for so long, you know, and you felt like they were always coached up and you know always ready to play. But they do look well. We said it, didn't we, at the end of the season, like a team who are rebuilding. Only they've not quite realised yet. They they seem to be sleepwalking into a rebuild with a with a coach that's not going to be there in five or six years. And yeah, it, again, it's one of those outside looking in. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield would improve their their team quite a bit. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe they go for Baker and I, I start to feel better about things. I mean, I think it's unlikely they'd get Garoppolo with it being an in-division move, but then actually the 49ers need his his salary off off the books. So, so maybe that could happen. Um, I feel like a decent quarterback makes me feel a lot more positive about what's going on. But yeah, I, I can't, I can't see. You know what? I, I, I actually don't mind their draft though. I think their draft was pretty mm. good. You know, they got some good players there. I think Charles Cross is one of the best tackles around. Uh, they got who? Uh, Maffe in round two, didn't they? And a running back. You know, I think they got some good players. So, but I mean, who they let walk? Oh, I mean, oh, Bobby don't Wagner. Get, don't get me, don't get oh. me wrong. I think off season wise, terrible. All of the decisions were stupid. But ultimately, draft wise, with what capital they had, the players that they got, I don't hate. Mm. But I do yeah. think they're a million miles away from competing. I'm totally with James on that. But draft-wise, they did okay. But every other personnel decision this offseason has been rubbish and put them in a significantly worse position for years. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably, probably agree. And I'll just round out really quickly with it. Now, there's a few teams who... You know, actually, we've just talked there about Russell Wilson, the Broncos. You know, if the Broncos weren't in the division they're in, maybe they'd have made our top three. Maybe I'd have them ahead of the Dolphins. Um, but looking the other way, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, what on earth is going on there? And, you know, on the one hand, they miss out on Deshaun Watson, which was probably embarrassing. And, you know, too much really was pushed into the public domain of, of what they'd done and and how close they were potentially to getting him before, you know, the Browns effectively just remortgaged the entire franchise on getting a transcendent quarterback. But for me, the Falcons have let Matty Ice go for, I mean, negligible um, compensation in terms of draft picks, um, they're putting in a backup quarterback that has a relationship with the head coach from their time in Tennessee. But I mean, even if they were putting in a great quarterback, even if we were having this Russell Wilson conversation about the Atlanta Falcons, what on earth have they got around a quarterback or what have they got within that offensive unit that gives you any hope? I mean, Cordero Patterson is brilliant. You know, in in terms of what he did last season, absolutely, you know, absolutely blew up the expectations that people had of him going into that year. But with a future Hall of Fame quarterback still playing at a high level, he had a great year. Is there enough to say that there's, you know, my my concern really with the Falcons is if Cordero Patterson is the best you've got, that isn't great. But I mean, if he's your best receiver and your best running back, I, I think that only shows you just what big problems they have. I mean, maybe they've got something going on. Maybe they've got a master plan, but ultimately I I just don't see what they've got going for them. Um, Arthur Smith is a guy who got his head coaching gig off the back of, you know, what was a brilliant offense in Tennessee and amazing running back, some great receivers. And I just don't think he's got anything like the level of talent he would need to try and recapture that kind of level of success. It just feels like if they were poor last season, but broadly competitive, I don't give them a, a hope in hell. Uh, I think they are picking first overall this time in 12 months. I think they made a great trade. Brilliant trade. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, for the for the Colts. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing if you're a fan of Indianapolis. Yeah, brilliant. Oh. They got a really good compensation, and I think you know it's great. Um, no, I mean, all jokes aside, I I think the worst thing about their off season was just the amount of talent that left. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm not just talking Matt Ryan for buttons effectively you know what they got back in return is is no surefire thing but you look um russell gage and foyer olokun both left didn't they yeah. you know arguably they're two best players well gage was Matt so Ryan. good yeah gage yeah. was so good down the stretch last season and they you were the thought, only wow they've really players. found something yeah. Only three players that you looked at and you thought those guys are worth keeping and building a franchise around. And ultimately, none of them are on that roster now. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I don't hate the draft. You know, who they drafted was pretty good. You know, I like Drake London at, from USC. And I actually yeah. think Desmond Ridder's a really good kind of quarterback value in the third round because, you know, he's got a lot of the physical attributes that you want to build around. He's got some good experience and he's a, a good potential player. So third round, you know, pick a quarterback that might turn out and ultimately could well beat out Marcus Mariotta in four months time. I do love you. You talk about are oh, the, the coach and the quarterback have got a relationship. The last relationship was the coach saying, you're not good enough to start. You're going to be yeah. my backup from now on. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, all of that screams weird, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the draft, again, I don't hate because I think they did get a couple of good players. You know, um, Ebiketti from Penn State, they got on the edge. I like him. Um, mm. So they got some good players, ultimately. But again, just a million holes to fill. All of the good players you'd want to build around have gone. Yeah. The players that they brought in are not at the level of those players that <sighs> have left. So, uh, and, and they just seem... I don't know, like you said, a bit devoid of a plan. You just don't know what's going on there because there doesn't seem to be any coherent. I know they talk about wanting to get Matt Ryan's contract off the books, but ultimately they've just now got saddled with massive (sighs) cap debt effectively is where they're at now. Um, And I think if you think, if you think that you can get a few extra pieces in, then build around Matt Ryan because I see, you know, I mean, I'm a Colts fan, so I am going to say this, but ultimately I think regardless of where Matt Ryan had gone, I would have always thought that he's got two or three good years still left in him, you know, regardless of where he's at, whatever happens, he's got two or three years of a pretty solid NFL starter performance in him. And you just need to get players around him. But now it just feels like there's no long-term vision for the franchise because there's no quarterback that they're building around necessarily. I mean, Ridder might turn out to be that guy, but it's just all a bit odd, isn't They'll it? They'll be incredibly lucky if he is. I mean, we haven't mentioned Kyle Pitts, who we do love, but a tight end's not going to win you enough games, okay. is it? Yeah. Well, I, this, mean, I mean, this one is, player doesn't make a team, does it? Oh, no, this is where it comes from. When you're talking about what is the Falcons' plan going to be, I think the Falcons' plan is going to end up being the old Detroit Lions' plan of Matt Stafford, chuck it to Megatron, if Megatron's not open, good good luck. They haven't got a Matt at... Stafford or a Megatron, though, have they? No, I mean, that this plan is, this is the problem. Those two players. Looking looking down at the at the running backs, at the wide receivers, and the tight ends, the difference making players that you you would look at and say that are there 
are Cordero Patterson, who did yeah. it for one season and has shown no signs that that's a consistent thing he can do. Mm. And Kyle Pitts, who admittedly hasn't looked that fantastic. He's not lit the world on fire. I, and, I thought he had a good second half of the season. Um, yes, I love that guy. He's amazing. He He's the one that you would count on. Of all of them, he's kind of the player thing. Okay, we've got Kyle Pitts. At least we've got a chance. But yeah, just banking everything, apparently, on a quarterback who the head coach played one season with and after seven games decided, actually, you know what? We're going to go with, undoubtedly, number three on the beigest players in the league list at quarterback. He got outplayed by average Ryan Tannehill. And now he's going to come in. Like I was talking to some of because uh, one of our work offices is located in and around the state of Georgia in the Atlanta region. And so talking to some Falcons players at work, and there are several of them that are kind of looking and thinking, yeah, 28-3 might actually look quite favourable considering where our seasons are probably they'd, going. They'd need a 28-3 lead in most games to be competitive. They've got they've got young Koku, who I just love. Who doesn't love good kickers? They are massively underrated in this league. But I mean, they will need low-scoring games because he's their best chance of points. Um, and if you're relying on kicking threes, you, you're looking to win, what, 12-9, 9-6? And I, I don't see they've got a defence that will keep them in games to any degree. Um, well, considering that was a quick run around the room, um, we have damned and um, pretty much buried a number of teams there. Um, we will be back in potentially a couple of weeks' time, depending on how slow the NFL wheel of news could be. We'll be back to speak to you soon and keep you up to date with all the great NFL comings and goings. But yeah, on the next pod, hopefully we'll have, we say this at the end of all of our pods recently, don't we? Maybe a Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo-like story to tell. Because um, yeah, for all these teams who are looking in um, pretty much dire straits and in pretty bleak shape, one or two moves... Who knows? Could make all the difference. But gentlemen, considering we were one man down, I think we've still delivered an absolutely full to the brim podcast full of great insight and intrigue. Um, And yeah, let's get together soon and do it all again. Sounds good. Cheers, Rob. Thanks, Rond. Oh, brutal. Are you going to do thanks a lot? No, I think I'll do that this week. Slightly anticlimactic, but uh, thanks everyone in Listerland. See you again soon. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends.